that middle interview. When you speak of frontman and rock metal and all kinds of genres, when you speak of vocalists of vocalists, I am talking about high ranges, all types of all types of octaves and ranges. This guy is at the top of his game. I am speaking of Jeff Scott Soto, frontman for Sons of Apollo, formerly with Ingve Malmsteen, formerly with Journey. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, this guy fronted the world-renowned Journey, fronted Malmsteen, amongst other projects, amongst other bands, and um, I'll let you guys do the homework, and some of you might know your homework from Mr. Soto. So, not to mention his solo projects, Jeff Scott Soto, JSS, and Soto. So, check it out online, download it, support Jeff and all his projects. And we truly uh, thank him for spending some time on some updates from his career, his projects. And you guys are going to hear a couple of exclusives here. So here it is, our chat with Jeff Scott Soto. Enjoy. You have such an extensive career, man, and uh, catalog, of course. Congrats on that, man. Thanks, man. It's a, it's a, it's a lifelong, <laughs> it's, it's a lot of work through so many years and decades of, of, you know, just everybody's reaching for that same brass ring and you just got to keep reaching for it because once you give up, then you, you're showing everybody that you never really wanted it. Right. Is there something you would change or do different from uh, your whole career? Probably, probably, I probably would have um, given more effort to particular projects or maybe not said yes to certain things because the bottom line is that I got a lot of criticism through my career, the beginning especially of my career because I was bouncing around and doing so many different things. The only reason I did that, not so much because it sounded like I was scatterbrained, I, I couldn't really commit to something. I just... I just happened to be more influenced by different things that I wanted to have in my life and my career in music. Uh, um, unfortunately, more so than the people I was working with, especially back then. When I'm working with Ingbe Malmsteen, I'm not able to show my R&B, my Motown roots. If I'm working with uh, a band that's more of a funk rock project, I can't really show my metal roots. So there's, there's so many different roots that I wanted to show as a performer, as an artist, as a writer, as a singer, um, so many different styles and so many influences. I, I guess what, what I'm trying to say is having a band like Queen is probably not the best band to use as an influence because they were ones that got away with doing so many different things musically. And not everybody can be a queen. Not everybody can be an artist that can get away with doing funk, opera, jazz, hard rock, metal, uh, pop, contemporary nostalgic you know there's so many avenues and so many borders they broke down musically and i wanted to be one of those artists unfortunately i, co I couldn't find one band that could follow and kind of keep up with me wanting to tap onto the all these different things so that's one of the reasons why i jumped around so much and doing so many different genres of music because i, I was just bored man I, I get bored having just to do one thing and stick to one format 
That's in a way that's very cool. You're versatile, I guess. Well, the, my, my versatility comes from all the influence, and you know? it comes from all the different things that I listened to growing up. It came from all the bands and all the again, Queen is one of my main influences. So it came from hearing where you can go musically, where you can use your voice into different textures and layers and styles instead of just sticking to one thing. I, I'm not putting James Hetfield down, but I can't imagine James Hetfield going and trying to do a Smokey Robinson song or okay. James Hetfield going and doing an opera song. Right. He, he does what he does very well, and that's why it works well Metallica. And I think that's why Metallica is as big as they are, because he didn't jump around with trying to diff do different things with his voice and different textures. I, if I would have stayed to one genre, if I stuck with Ingve Malmsteen for 10 years or 15 years, maybe I would have had a bigger stature as that kind of singer. But I thought I wanted to I wanted to branch out and, and show people I'm more than just a screamer or uh, a high metal singer. I wanted to be able to show the different colors of the things that influence me in life. And yeah, for better or worse, <laughs> that's 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 where you end up with somebody like myself. Well, you've done a great job with every every project, in my opinion. So, you know, that's awesome. Thanks, uh, man. Uh, rumor is there's a rumor uh, that there's talks between you and. Uh, Roger and Brian May of Queen. Uh, how true is this, and how awesome would that be, huh? It would be awesome, but there's the, the rumors are completely false. There were there was a, I, I, the rumors probably came from something I said in another another interview oh, okay. when uh, somebody asked me, "Have they ever approached me? Has it ever gotten close?" Oh. And and I answered pretty much with because I don't want to start rumors i don't want them to have to answer to rumors i don't want to put a rift between us for for information that might be classified or considered personal but the bottom line there were there was a, a small window of uh, that we were possibly discussing working together and it was a while ago so it has nothing to do with currently or today um has nothing to do with replacing adam lambert or or doing something completely outside of queen none of that there was a small window where it was discussed the idea of maybe working together and it was a while ago and that's all it was and there's nothing more to it awesome rumor cleared <laughs> <There you go. laughs> right uh, before yeah. before we go on and talk about uh, maybe sons of apollo uh, i want to ask about the momstein albums you recorded to me they're the best ones of course uh, thanks how did you get uh, the, the momstein gig well, that's that's also something that's out there. It's 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 pretty well documented. I'll give you the the short version. I was in a cover band in, in Colorado in 1984. I was just 18 years old, and uh, the band wasn't working out so well. I moved out there just to basically get a fresh start my, my my original band in california broke up and my best friend relocated back to colorado and uh and he said man there's a great band here they i'm sure you guys could do great together they, they, it was a cover band uh but back then cover bands did a, a big circuit of gigs and touring and everything and i thought maybe this will be fun for a while to to go out there and play some whatever the contemporary top 40 stuff was at the time. Remember in the eighties, Kiss and Quiet Riot and Rat and Motley Crue, all these bands were considered top 40 then. They were what's considered today's Ed Sheeran's and, and uh, Bruno Mars. So nice. that was contemporary music, that was the mainstream. So you could make a living by doing 
those kinds of things. And, and I, I went for it. I, I moved to Colorado and, and in the beginning it was great, but, uh, the band started losing steam and I, I realized I needed to come back to California. I wasn't making money. I, I just wanted to come back home and, and try to restart and kind of reboot and get a, a new original band and, and go back to doing my own music again, even at the age of 18. So, I, I saw the opportunity, well, I was watching MTV at a buddy's house and it said that Ingve Malmsteen, who I was a big fan of at the time, had left Alcatraz and he was starting a new new band and he's looking for a singer. So I told my buddies, who are also Malmsteen, huge fans, and they said, dude, you should send your tape, your demo tape. I, I made a tape with the, my last original band, a band called Kanan, spelled with a K. I sent my tape to, uh, to Ingve's people, they, out of the hundreds of tapes they received, the boxes of tapes. Ingve only heard two. It was my tape and it was another guy. Basically, the manager took out the worst one he could find as a joke to play for Ingve, saying, hey, we got, we narrowed it down to these two guys. <laughs> and the first one he played to him, was, it was meant as a joke. He goes, you, you're fucking kidding me, right? <laughs> and, and they said, yeah, yeah, we're joking. This is the guy we actually really want you to hear. And that was my tape. So imagine the luck of the draw. Either the tapes that were sent in were so bad, or I just got lucky that my tape was heard and they called me luckily I was I was already back in California when they called me because uh, the uh, I had the meeting they had a recording studio in Los Angeles I, I met him in uh, what that was uh, what is it August maybe July or August of 1984 and after three weeks of working together working on new demos uh, for the what ended up being for marching out I got the gig and he was really aloof and not giving me any answers or he wasn't even showing much uh, enthusiasm but the other guys, the, the, the brothers Johansson brothers and even eventually Marcel they were telling me, yeah, I think Ingve really likes you, I think he likes where, where your voice sits with his music, blah 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 but I never saw any excitement from Ingve. I thought, there's no way I'm not getting this gig, but he kept calling me every day he kept sending me songs, I kept hanging out at his place, we were demoing stuff, you know, in his home studio and i was like why does he keep bringing me in if, if he's not going to call me in as a singer <laughs> and then three weeks later almost three weeks to the day after i met him i, I was sitting in my mom's house and i got a call from uh, from ingbe's manager and he said uh hi jeff uh, I, i'm gonna put you on with my uh my secretary i need to get some information from you and she gets on the phone she goes oh hi jeff my name is so and so uh welcome to the band I'm like, that's how I'm. <laughs> that's how Ingbe told me I got the gig. I got the secretary <laughs> to tell me welcome to the band. She needed my, you know, my my personal information where I lived and social security and all that stuff because I was going to be put on payroll. So yeah, that's how I was inducted wow. into Ingbe's band. <laughs> wow, what a story! <laughs> it's crazy. Total Cinderella story. It's the kind of story you said that can't be true. That's <laughs> that's been, that's made up. That's exactly how it went down, man. Wow. So I guess uh, one of my questions was. Uh, is Malmsteen difficult to work with? I guess, you know, I guess not, huh? Um, well, one thing I had to learn early on is you don't really work with Ingve, okay. you work for Ingve. Yeah. And again, this is one of the reasons why I left early on. It goes back to how we started the conversation and me being in so many projects. I'm so used to working with people. We craft, we build, we, we formulate together. And I realized I was joining a situation where the main focus was the guitar player. It was, it was his career, it was his band, it was his vision. But I really thought 
his vision would start with getting the best people he can surround himself with and then we would grow together and we would build his vision together and it would become our vision that was my first mistake so um as we went along i realized you don't work with ingbe you work for ingbe yeah. and when i realized i really don't want to work for somebody uh even back then when we were getting very little credit when we were not even getting paid the small really tiny salary <laughs> that we were promised all of the all of those um uh, my uh, delusions of grandeur just went right out the window so um i i really i i i just said this is not for me you know i don't have respect i don't have i'm, I'm not talking about just ingve I'm, I'm talking about overall there was no there was no focus from the record company or management there was no focus even from the fans everything was ingve 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 and i'm like i'm putting the same effort as i put into any band that i would be in and i'm getting zero return from it wow. i wanted something where i can get the same I, I can get out of it what i'm putting into it and that's the main reason why i left him and nothing to do with i didn't like the music or we had a fight it just basically came down to i i missed being in a band i missed sharing everything even the fact that i was the only american in the band you get off stage and you normally you get backstage you're sweaty and you're laughing about what happened in the show hey did you see that girl when she lifted her top all that kind of stuff that you're used to but with this band we get off stage and the four of them start speaking in swedish and i'm sitting there i felt left <laughs> out felt like man can we talk in english just so i can <laughs> really? feel like we're the same conversation so yeah it, it, it kind of sucked yeah. for me in that sense i was young i was green i was inexperienced i deal with those situations way differently now in fact talking your native tongue because i want to be left alone i don't want to i don't want to get in the conversation after a show i just want to unwind and and not really talk to anybody so it's funny how the, the times change as you're younger and you're still hungry for a certain level and then you get older and you're you're actually wanting another level that you don't get anymore wow what a story uh, going back to your uh, your solo stuff, um, there's a song that I love personally. It's a badass ballad. Uh, feels like forever. Uh, oh, thanks. Awesome, awesome stuff, man. Uh, talk to us about that song. Well, that song was co-written by my, by the original guitar player from my solo band when I started my when I started touring as a solo act in 2002. Uh, a guy named Howie Simon. He was my I played basketball with him, and I I knew he was a great guitar player from people I spoke to, and and we hung out in the same circles. But it wasn't until a Christmas party in 2001 where he came over and i said hey i want to set up a jam i'm gonna we're gonna set up gear and and instead of just karaoke and everybody singing along to just a, a an acoustic guitar we, we always end up doing those kinds of things at my parties i said i want to actually set up a gear so we can actually jam we you know electronic drums and vocals and the whole thing so howie was invited he came out and we started playing all these songs. I'm like, oh my God, I never realized how good this guy was. So he was my original guitar player in my solo band in 2002. And we hadn't worked together in a long time. So when I was recording, when it was time to record the Retribution album, um, I went to him as one of the main writers, as one of the main contributors of the album. And one of his first things he said, yeah, I want to do it, but I don't want to be in an album that's 
that's too uh, scattered. I, if we're going to do it, I want to be the only guitar player on the record, and I think we should write the whole record together so that way it, it kind of has a focus. Musically, it, it kind of has, it falls under the same kind of category musically and genre-wise. I said, I got no problem with that because Howie's such a great writer, he's such a great guitar player. Um, I, I let him run with it, so he came to me with all those songs, including that one, and as soon as I heard it, it was just, it's such a thrill. It's so It's easy to write to Howie's songs compared to writing with others you never worked with before. So I, I know what he expects of me and then he knows what to expect. I know what to expect from him. And that's basically how that album and that song came together. So what what's next for your on your solo as far as your solo stuff, what can fans expect next? Well, once again, I, I wanted to kind of take it to a different level, take it to a, a, another an, another angle. And there's a, a longtime friend of mine named Alessandro Del Vecchio. I met him when he was just a keyboard player for a band called Edge of Forever. Edge of Forever back in 2005, maybe 2004, 2005. Um, my old bass player, Marcel Jacob from Talisman, God rest his soul, was producing the album. And I happened to be on tour in Europe during that time. And I was as I was going through uh, Italy, I was passing through Milan and he said, hey, you have a day off. Would you be willing to come in and, and sing some backing vocals on your day off? And I, of course, I, I helped him out because he's my brother. And that's when I met Alessandro, who was just a keyboard player and writer in this local Italian band. Since then, this guy has skyrocketed to major producer level uh, songwriter. He write, he wrote all the songs for the Revolution Saints album with Jack Blades and, and Dean Castanova, Doug Aldridge. Oh. He's, a, he's in Hardline. He's co-writing all the songs and producing those songs with Johnny Joelli for Hardline. Uh, he's all over the map. He, he's kind of become the house writer producer for a lot of Frontiers projects. So when it was time to do a new solo record, they suggested working with Alessandro. And I said, absolutely, because Ale is not only an old friend, but I have a huge respect for him of where he's, be able, he's been able to achieve. So uh, we started working together. He started sending me songs at the end of last year. Uh, when I came home from uh, the TSO tour in January, I, I sang all the vocals before we started rehearsing for the Sons of Apollo tour. I got all my vocals out of the way and then we finished the album along the way. You know, he was getting all the solos and all that stuff done. And I, I literally just signed off yesterday. Last night I signed off on the album cover. So the album co is coming out in November. Uh, it's called Wide Awake in My Dreamland. Alessandro wrote co-wrote all the songs with me. He produced the album. Um, I've got my drummer, Edu Cominato, from the Soto band. He's also in the JSS band playing drums again. And there's a new uh, guitar player that's a friend of Alessandro's from Milan called Fabrizio Scattoni. <laughs> Good luck with that one. Italian. Uh, but he's phenomenal. This guitar player, I never heard of this guy, but he truly combined all my favorite guitar players and styles into every song that's on this album. So I'm really excited about this record coming out. I think people are going to be blown away with how cool and diverse this album is. Well, so there you go. A new JSS album coming. Well. Yeah, coming out in November. Awesome, so, yeah, awesome like for all the fans. Up on the work and we're we're finishing up all the uh, all the other stuff for the for the booklet and the videos and all that stuff. And we're getting all that stuff in order now. Awesome uh, info. Uh, new album, twenty twenty, Sons of Apollo. Great stuff. Uh, walk us through the writing process uh, for a Sons of Apollo album. Uh, who writes riffs, lyrics, arrangements, etc. For the fans that want to know. 
Well, it, it all it, it all starts with the, the two kind of CEOs, the, the the head honchos of the band, and that's Sherinian and Portnoy. Okay. Um, they it's it's basically their baby. We they brought us all in. You know, Mike Portnoy basically made a dream team of people he thought would be perfect for this band and there was no auditioning there i did i was not auditioned for sons of apollo i was chosen to be part of this the same way as bumblefoot was chosen the same way mike said billy would be perfect for this so uh it was never meant to be dream theater part two it was it's just state because mike has is such a staple in prog music and because mike and derek were in dream theater together obviously they're, they, those two influences are going to be very prevalent prevalent in the sound of of sons of apollo sorry i'm looking at something on my window i can't speak uh, okay. <laughs> um, so they uh basically they they start and finish it from start to finish it starts with their vision and it ends with exactly what they feel needs to be the final package of this band and the, and the music. Um, Bumblefoot is a very strong contributor to the writing end, of course, yeah. um, because it's very guitar-driven stuff, but even Derek himself it writes a lot of stuff. You would think that sounds like they, was, they were written by guitar because Derek writes and thinks as a guitar player on the keyboards. You, you hear some of his sounds and some of his solos, and it sounds like a guitar solo. It sounds like a guitar playing them because that's his world he wants to incorporate the keyboard and the organ and all that stuff into more of an aggressive uh kick you in the head kind of sound and and that's what that's pretty much what rounds up the sons of apollo sound so Derek is very instrumental in, in, in producing and he oversees everybody's parts because again we we all have such strong opinions and strong features of who we are and where we come from but if there's not one person guiding and making sure it kind of stays within the context of the band it will be all over the map and we won't have the sound that that is what sons of apollo is i mean uh if you if you look at everybody's catalog i mean from billy to the whole every band member has a you know it's just incredible i mean do, does it bother you when people say Sons of Apollo is a all-star band, uh, a super group, maybe. Well, no, I, I mean they, clearly because we all come from different areas, different yeah. different likes and genres and and bands, etc. I mean, of course, that it, we're going to get that label without even asking for it. That's that's a normal thing. We, you get used to that, but once you get past the only way to get past that is that you have to have you have to deliver you have to have the songs you have to have the chemistry and once we showed we were past all that people were now treating us as a band without without imagining us wearing capes and and a big s on our chest <laughs> right okay so, uh, changing bands uh how do you feel when you get uh, compared to steve perry and how was it working with journey um well i take it as the ultimate if you you say anything about me in the same category of Freddie Mercury or Steve Perry or Lou Graham or Bruce Dickinson, I not only feel like my job is done, like I, I everything that I set out to do is is yeah you know, I, I set the right example because I would hate if you're you're using singers or other artists that have nothing to do with my influence and my inspirations those guys are right in the core of my dna musically as a singer as a songwriter as a performer so when you use those names and and comparing me it's to me that's that's the ultimate tribute that's the ultimate validation uh being a part of journey was something that was extremely exciting for me uh i i 
I have no words for how amazing the experience was for me. I, I hated the way it ended. I wish it could have ended on, on a better note. But on the other hand, I, I would never change the fact that I was part of this legendary band. It's, it, it truly is something that I will treasure for the rest of my life. What an honor. Wow. Yeah, it's when you when you think of something, not only Journey is one of those bands like Queen or Van Halen. They were so important in your upbringing musically. They were so important in your their entire foundation of where you came from as an artist. And then to be fronting them, to be singing those songs that you sang in the car, in the shower or whatever, or at parties, to now be doing that in front of their audience. There was no bigger thrill in the world. Well, you just told us about the new uh, JSS album coming November. Uh, what else uh, are you doing uh, in these times of the pandemic and all that? Uh, what's keeping you busy? Well, we uh, we also finished a new Wet album. Wet is the, uh, the the other side band that I've been doing for the past, uh, geez, we're going on 11 years now, I think. Um, first Wet album, I think, was in 2009, if I'm not mistaken. So... Yeah, this is album number four for us. Uh, it's not really a touring band. It's more of a studio band, and we do shows here and there. But Wet is uh, is a Frontiers project. It's it's basically, a, if you want to call it, a super group that was started by Serfino, the, the president of Frontiers Records. And it was kind of the, the uh, antithesis to all the bands that have turned into these kind of super groups back then. He put us together as one of the first ideas or projects, experiments, so to speak. What would happen if you put the voice of Talisman with the guitar players of Work of Art and Eclipse and, and let's see what they come up with. And that's and Wet's become a very successful entity based on that ideal. Uh, so yeah, we got the new album that's that's done now. We're mixing the album, but uh, it's not going to come out until early next year. Um, I've been doing... I, I just finished... Um, There's a new band called Spectra, who's fronted by the keyboard player slash second guitar player of the band Soto. His name is BJ, a Brazilian singer. He's, he's actually in he's in Soto because he's got such an incredible voice as a singer. He's a good musician, but he's a great singer. So he's that addition in the band Soto because I basically have my, my, my lead singer I can bounce all my vocals with on a live and even recording format. Uh, I got him a solo deal. I got him a, a, a deal with Frontiers for his new project called Spectra, and I co-wrote all the songs with Alessandro Del Vecchio, my current producer. Um, so I had to demo all that, I had to write, demo all those songs while I was finishing up my album, while I was singing the Wet album, and then doing all these pandemic quarantine videos. So wow! I've been working more in the past four months, man, <laughs> than I can I can throw a stick at. It's it's crazy how busy I've been, and I, it hasn't stopped. Uh, that was my my next question. Uh, how do you juggle all your projects? <laughs> Well, when you think about it, this is my job. This is my day job. The same way somebody wakes up and goes to work yeah. uh, from eight to five, this is what I do from from eight to eight every day. You know, this is my twenty four hour job. So, if if it's going to take me twelve hours to do something, then yeah, it's going to take a while before I finish one thing. But if I if it takes me an hour or an hour and a half to finish a project, I can then work on another one or, or start thinking about it or talking about another one, and so. Through the course of the day, I could be working on four different things and juggling them because this is what I do. And that's another one I forgot to throw in. I had I just sang backing vocals on 12 songs for Joel Hoekstra's new album, Joel really? Hoekstra from Whitesnake. So 
I've, I've sung on literally four or five albums in the past four months and it, it hasn't stopped there we're even talking about possibly working on a new sons of apollo album since we we basically can't go out and tour on the last on the 2020 album anymore this year by the time we get back on tour that album's over a year old wow you're just a busy busy person wow awesome yeah and and it's stay i stay busy not only because i i want to or have to i stay busy because the work is there the 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 necessity to get it all done is there so i'm lucky in that sense awesome uh is there something i didn't ask something you think uh, we should have talked about no, you know what? I, I rambled on quite a bit about other things, and uh, I think I gave you—I probably gave you some answers uh, uh, based on coming from other questions. So, uh, awesome. you know, I wanted to talk about mainly what I've been doing during this uh, these four months off, since I'm not really ready for the uh, the the interview cycle. Because yeah. as as they're setting up the new Sons, uh, Soto, I'm sorry, the new JSS album. I'm going to be getting a lot of interviews and I'm not quite there yet. So you're, you're actually one of the first ones before that cycle begins. And that's mainly what I wanted to talk about, what, what I've been doing the past four months. And then I got to answer some of the past stuff, which is great. Thank you for the insight. Awesome. Uh, you're very welcome, man. Something, uh, a message you would like to uh, relate to your fans, to the Jeff fans and Sons of Apollo fans. A message to the fans it's it's pretty much the same the same message every time i i'm asked to do these it, i used to get annoyed with these things because i'm like well, what kind of message can i send you right. but then i realize the only message i can send people is to say thank you i mean it's it's uh very difficult to make it in the music business and i'm still as far as i'm concerned i haven't made it i'm still chiseling my own way my own path trying to leave my own mark trying to get the respect uh of my peers and from people who listen to music all of those things are so hard to to factor in when there's so much competition so much great talent out there and so much crap talent out there there's really not a lot of room to to nudge your way into being a household name so the only thing i can say to fans is thank you for for years and decades of loyalty and giving me the opportunity to to be able to do this for a living for so many years to be able to to continue doing this and not having to say well i can't make a living from this so i have to possibly uh, change occupations you know I'm, i have the luxury of being able to compete with my fellow artists and being able to make a living at the same time so my only thing i can say is thank you Awesome. Uh, we thank you for your time, Jeff. Thank you for spending time with our podcast. Uh, you got it, man. Thank you, and uh, keep rocking, man. Okay, all the best. Thank you, guys and girls, for tuning in to That Metal Interview Podcast with myself, James. Thank you for tuning in to our radio station, jrocksmetalzone.com, 24-7 rock metal. And we play all kinds of metal, like all kinds of rock. So you guys tune in and subscribe to our website and tune in for giveaways and different things here and there don't forget to subscribe to our youtube channel also where you can find these interviews with video and video slideshows and all that so uh don't forget to follow us on social media facebook instagram twitter blah 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 and of course our podcast is available on all digital formats iHeartRadio, Spotify, TuneIn, and amongst other formats. Thank you for supporting. Thank you for donating. Thank you for 
always supporting our podcast. And to all rock metal fans like myself, I thank you. And I uh, hope you guys enjoy these conversations with these rock stars. So anyways, don't forget to support Mr. Jeff Scott Soto on his website. Support him in all his projects that he is involved with. That helps out all these artists, rock or metal, especially in these times, of, in these hard times of the pandemic. Uh, these artists live off of selling merchandise, selling albums, this and that, t-shirts. So log on to Mr. Uh, Jeff Scott Soto's uh, website. Um, look up their, their label um, and support them. Download, stream, share. Thank you, guys. And don't forget to keep it metal. That metal interview.